You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast as we get rolling here. And I want to remind you that support of the Locked On SEC Football Podcast comes from Manscaped, number one in men's below the belt grooming. You've seen them on Shark Tank. Precision engineered tools. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. 20% off manscaped.com with promo code. We've got scrimmages, we've got practices. Uh, we'll take a look at Auburn, Alabama, Florida, and uh, Tennessee with a significant injury at a place that they didn't want to have at. Also, the biggest games of the upcoming SEC schedule. And uh, we'll talk about the talent gap between Alabama and Georgia. There seems to be this mindset that uh, Georgia's uh, right there. So uh, Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. Check out that website if you want to learn more about football at the NFL college or recruiting level. And uh, Chris, we're getting closer and closer. We got the S word coming out, scrimmages. So that's kind of the next step. <laughs> to me, it used to always be practice and then it was full pads. And then it was scrimmage, and you, you knew that that was kind of the progression of the way things went. Absolutely. Um, you know, you don't have preseason games, as we all know in college, in lieu of that are scrimmages, and we're getting to the point where we're not quite there. Everyone's kind of going through their first scrimmages right now, um, except for the week zero practice teams. Uh, and then it's that last one that will kind of tell you. But, like, the news today, and we will certainly have an update if there's one worthy on tomorrow's show about Auburn. They're having a morning scrimmage and talking with a couple of the coaches, and I will follow up with them. They feel like, depending upon, not based upon just this scrimmage, but what they have done in practice thus far and in meetings, they think they may have a good feel for where they want to go at their starting quarterback position, Bo Nix or Joey Gatewood. And it could very well be, even though it's going to be non-contact, how they perform and how they execute. Now, again, I don't know if it's – I don't know that it's going to – in fact, I'm sure it's – knowing Gus, it's not going to be open. Uh, I, I want to mention this, that this is important – regardless of what team you follow, anywhere around the country. Uh, the scrimmage results, it's not about how many pass completions, you know, how many yards a guy got. Those are byproducts of a number of things. First of all, uh, you try different things in scrimmages. That's the purpose of it. So you may have a lot of balls that are <clears throat> dropping. And it's the same way if you follow the NFL and, and you, you get to see some of these hear about some of these training camp practices and whatnot. So you've got to dig beneath that. And that's what we try to do for you at Landry Football and take you what's going on. So here's what's going to be key. Who's able to lead the team? Who's able to seemingly run the offense, communicate it, you know, invoke confidence in his teammates? Um, It's, again, that's what's most important. So, you know, if you're just looking at it, for example, on the outside, and I'm just going to use simple numbers, you know, each guy has 10 passes and, you know, one guy has, I'm going to exaggerate here. One guy has 10 for 10 in completions and the other guy has 0 for 10. Well, it's pretty obvious in most people's mind who had the best scrimmage, right? And it could be the complete opposite because, you know, the completion could have been a result of certain things that they were trying against certain looks. And if you completed a pass, 
but you got your team into the wrong play and you completed a ball, what good does that do? That's not what you want to do in that situation. So what decision are you making? Are you making the right one? Are you having the proper recognition skills? And again, no one is going to be is is uh, is is obvious or a complete polar opposites is what I just described, but you're going to see some mixture of no one's going to be perfect. No one's going to be probably awful. It's going to be somewhere in the middle. Who can you trust more to lead and make those decisions? And uh, so we get to see a little bit more in scrimmage work. So uh, interesting for Auburn and at other places around the country, we keep you up to date on all that LandryFootball.com of how it's playing out. But I think we may get closer. Maybe we don't know the answer. I'm not saying there's going to be an announcement. But I think we're going to get closer to the answer is who's going to be the starting quarterback for the Auburn Tigers. Um, maybe as early as later today. Okay. You're a former coach, so I would never ask you this when you were a coach because you would give me a glare and you would think I was a complete idiot. Um, even though I would like to. Not uh, you, Dave. Never I would do that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not so. You can ask John Chavis about that glare. Um, but I would ask you. <laughs> the man, the chief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was never allowed to call him that. Okay, so um, I just want to ask you, prediction time, crystal ball time, what happens in the Auburn quarterback competition? Gatewood or Knicks out of the shoot, and then is there possibly a change midseason? Just if you had to predict, if you had to bet a week's pay on how it shakes out, how will it shake out? Well, I wouldn't bet a week's pay because, again, I think it's that uh, unkept at this point. I think it is still a lot of unknowns. Now, again, I could answer that question if I was coaching these guys better. I'm not at practice or in meetings. So, and, and, you know, I get a good feel, I think, but as good as you can get on the outside looking in. So I I don't know. I can't base it on anything other than the skill sets of the players. I, I would say this. I mean, this is the best I can do. Long range, the skill set. I'm probably more intrigued by the overall skill set of Bo Nix long range. That does not mean he is going to be best prepared to make the right decisions. In fact, I've kind of felt all along that being a true freshman versus Joey Gatewood being a redshirt freshman, that the edge would go to Gatewood. So I'm really, I mean, it's interesting. People want to know that I am not, um, Look, I don't think it's etched in stone, whoever wins the job, that that's the way it's going to be forever and ever, amen, during the season. But, you know, I, I do think the play is going to dictate it to who gets the opportunity and obviously who keeps it. Look, again, it's – I just talked about the things that you have to do. In the end, when it, when you're talking about results, you got to protect the football. Okay, you can't put the ball in harm's way ever. But you're talking about a team that, even though we've talked about their schedule, really good defense, Dave. So you can't turn the football over. Um, You you just got to do a good job of knowing where to go with it. You know, there are two things you got to do as a quarterback, as a passer. You got to know where to go with the football, and yeah, get it there accurately. If you don't know where to go with it, 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 
you know, it's not good enough that you're accurate. If you're accurate and you don't know where to go with the football, it's not good enough. You've got to combine that. You've got to move the offense. You've, you've got to, you know, when you want to change the pace and tempo of the offense and so much. Listen, the plays are called from the sidelines, but the ability to recognize it, see it, and you've got maybe a couple of options on the play. You've got to be more seamless and more confident and more knowing because if you don't know and you're guessing, they can see in that huddle the clarity in your eyes as to how well you know what you're doing. And if you do know what you're doing, they're going to lead you. They're, they're going to follow you, rather, and, and they're, they're, they're going to follow your lead. If you don't, it, it, it's, you know, and, and you don't really know that until the, um, you know, you get in the fire of the real season. So I, I would have, I really don't know, to be honest with you. I, I would say that Bo Nix will eventually be the guy. I don't know when eventually he's going to be. I know that Gus loves him. I just, it's hard for me to look at a true freshman and say, boy, he's going to be ready, but he very well may be ready. You would think that Joey Gatewood as a red shirt guy, more experience in the system would be a little bit better at knowing what to do at this point than Bo. Okay. Let me ask you this. And then we're going to get to some Alabama and Tennessee uh, practice notes. Also, we're going to talk about uh, some of the, uh, biggest games uh, in the SEC, and if we have time, the talent yet between Alabama and Georgia. It it's it shouldn't enter the equation, but uh, Gus Malzahn's human. We're all human. When you're on the hot seat, and I believe firmly he is, and I think you would agree. Mm-hmm. Do you, are you any more conservative? Because I think a lot of people, a lot of fans, I'm going to speak from a a fan media perspective, think, oh, it's easy. It's that guy. But sometimes it can be 51%, 49%. It can be Mm -hmm. a close call. So maybe you go with the guy that you think will make less mistakes. Do you think that that mindset enters the equation as, as Gus Malzahn makes this decision? And is that a problem if it does? No. In fact, that should be the mindset. That should be the mindset of every quarterback, every every coach regarding his quarterback at any level. But even on the hot seat, when you're on the hot seat, does that change it? No. No, because, I mean, you're on the hot seat. You know, what's the hot seat? You got to win. Well, everybody's got to win, and maybe even more so now. The the point is, is the quarterback position – is the most important because you touch it on every play. The first step towards being a good playmaker and a good leader at quarterback is, is what you don't do with the football. It is more important what you don't do with the football than what you do with it. So you can never get ahead, ever get ahead if your quarterback is a mistake prone. Now, you're going to make mistakes. I'm not saying you got to be perfect. I'm saying if you've got two in any scenario, Auburn, Alabama, you know, Grand Valley State, you know, the quarterback that is most proficient at making the right decision um, is always, always the best option. Now, you still have to have the physical ability to make plays. So you can make the right decision, 
But if you can't execute it, it doesn't matter. So anyone that is in a position, you've got to be able to make certain amount of plays. But you can't overcome mistakes. You can't overcome the big mistakes and the consistent mistakes. So if from a conservative standpoint, as I understand your question, you know, would you rather have the guy that makes five big plays and then makes a mistake or is going to have, you know, five plays in which it's mistake free, may not be as, as big a play, but it's a mistake free. It's always mistake free because you remember this. There's a six to one ratio in football at the quarterback play. It takes six big plays. I mean, explosive plays. You know, run plays of 10 yards or more, pass plays of 20 yards or more. It takes one of those, excuse me, six of those to make up for one mistake. Mistakes are killers at the quarterback. It's They're drive stoppers. They give easy points, set up points. They change momentum. They change flows of the game. So it is most important before a guy makes a play that he avoids making dumb mistakes. Know where to go with the football. Know what to do. And that's most important. So if that's perceived as conservative, then conservative um, be king because that, that's what you have to do. It's not, hey, Landry said it doesn't really matter if you can't make a play because you just got to be smart and make good decisions. No, you can make the right decisions. Know where to go with the football. You got coaches on the sidelines could do that, you know, <laughs> maybe has some walk on that can't throw it in the ocean. Well, they may know it better, but so that you can't execute it, but the ability to know where to go with it, know what to do, get out of the wrong play, get into the better play. That's, that's King. You can make plays. You can be a runner. You can do a lot of different things to make big plays for your team. But if you make mistakes, it's going to negate it by a six, one ratio. You can't make enough big plays to overcome mistakes at the quarterback position because you touch it on every play. Alabama and Tennessee practice notes coming up next. We're talking ball. It's almost there. He's Chris Landry at LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. More after this, you're locked on SEC football podcast. You are locked on SEC football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're locked on SEC football podcast, and let's start in Knoxville with some practice notes. Uh, Tennessee's Emmett Gooden ruled out for the season with a knee injury, and that's that's a big one um, because Tennessee is not very good up front on either side of the ball. They're certainly not very deep. Uh, Emmett Gooden is... Um, that's if you made a list of five guys that Tennessee couldn't afford to lose, he he might be on the verge of making that list, and now he's out for the season, Chris. Yeah, that's tough. And then to complicate matters, there is no word yet from the NCAA on Aubrey Solomon. Um, so that would help things a little bit, but couldn't agree more. Uh, not enough bodies at the line of scrimmage for Jeremy in Tennessee. Um, these are always tough, but even tougher in their situation. Yep, no doubt about it. And then, um, you know, we, we were looking, at, we've talked a lot about Florida in the offseason, and they've uh, had a lot of roster turnover for a program uh, that you wouldn't expect would have one. And, you know, suddenly we have to start, you know, thinking about depth and, and their roster management. 
How concerned should Dan Mullen be? Yeah, you know, concerned from the standpoint, I think Dan is handling things well. Like when guys are stepping out of line, he's sending them down the road. He's not going to put up with it. So that's good. It's not a program problem. On the contrary, it's it's the right way to handle it. But as it relates to this team, as Florida fans are excited, and well, they should be, um, I'm getting a more and more concerned, as is the coaching staff, is where are they going to be this year? Um, they're going to need a lot of breaks with injuries. Now, listen, that can be said for everyone. But they're not deep enough on the offensive line, uh, in particular, just to point out one, that um, – they're, they're going to be a completely different-looking team if they have a couple of injuries there because they're not as prepared depth-wise. It's something that obviously is going to be corrected over time, needs to be corrected over time. Uh, but, no, I think it's an issue, and I, I don't think that Florida is as close as people think. You know, I know a lot of the Gator fans, they think, oh, yeah, we could be a playoff sleeper, yada, yada, you know. Because, you know, yeah, because, you know, you win 10, <laughs> why not win 12, Dave? <laughs> why not? You know, it's just – they're not, you know, this is this is going to be a challenge. It's a good team. I think they're fine. Uh, I think the program is better than fine. Um, but but they've got some depth issues, and, and it's going to affect them. And it's certainly, I think, going to curtail them from really maybe not necessarily in a one-game scenario they could beat Georgia. But they, they're not going to be able to win the East, in my view, Um unless Georgia has major, major problems that are unforeseen, meaning losing two or three games. Because I think Florida is kind of going to be in that same boat. And then Alabama, some practice notes uh, out of Tuscaloosa. Yeah, you know, um, uh, Josh Dove, the corner, was full goal in uh, Wednesday's practice. He had a uh, non-contact jersey on Tuesday. Miller Forrestal coming back um, to practice on Wednesday as well, the tight end. Lots going to be expected of him in the run game. Not much is expected him uh, in uh, him in the passing game, but I think might be a little better than people might think. And then Nigel Knott, the corner, is working his way back uh, due to some medical issues. They're getting their practice, um, their first scrimmage coming up. Gosh, um, should know that I made a note a lot. I, I think they're, it's uh, Saturday, maybe Friday, uh, Friday night, Saturday. But uh, they've got their their scrimmage coming up here. Um, and things are progressing, but trying to get some guys healthy, uh, and trying to get at this stage, trying to figure out where they want to go with certain players and helping their depth and moving guys in certain spots. We've talked about that. That's a big part of this early stages of practice before you put in your game plan. Do you have a guy at one position you want to cross train? Um, you know, what's your best option in your secondary, um, you know, when you when you got to go down eight, nine deep, which which your best five and then beyond on the offensive line. So what's your best bet at left tackle when your left tackle goes down and right tackle and left guard, right guard center. So they're working a lot on that. Uh, but things are going pretty well. I can tell you there's a lot of confidence with a with a right combination of confidence with an edge and an attitude at Alabama. Uh, I can tell you with their coaches, um, with the players. You know, I, I think this is the right mixture of, um, you know, let's call it they've got the Crimson Tide red, you know what, off of kind of how things played out at the end of last year. It's the right type of motivational tool that I think Nick Saban likes. That's yeah, not, it's I, bad news for everybody. Yeah, I, I, I tend to think so. I made my preseason picks yet, but the one I feel most confident in is uh, 
uh, Alabama returning to national uh, championship status. When, when, when are we going to hear your your season picks on this show? I know you. I, for those people who don't know, let me stop. The people who don't know. Dave has a great show in Chattanooga every day. So he's talking sports every day. And then he is a columnist, great writer. So he writes a lot of different things for different publications. So I don't, I know you maybe have to break it out in another forum, but when it's broken out, when are you give us a time frame of when you're going to break out the SEC predictions for you? How you think? Oh, I'll, I'll give it to you first, but I'll go ahead and tell you I'm in the media, so it's going to be dead wrong. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, people okay. would be if people are going to Vegas uh, based off what you or I think, they're better off going with what you think. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll have that soon. We, we'll do a whole show predicting uh, records. The thing is, when you start getting into predicting records, suddenly it's like everybody has nine wins, and the math just doesn't work out that way. Uh, but we will we'll get to that. The talent gap between Alabama and Georgia coming up next. People seem to think that they're neck and neck. Eh, maybe not the case, according to Chris Landry. Stay tuned. More after this, you're locked on SEC Football Podcast. You are locked on SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're locked on SEC Football Podcast. All right, here's the common belief, Chris. Just want to get to it. Here's here's what a lot of the fans and a lot of the media believe, and I don't get into these arguments because uh, a lot of the people in the media are my friends, and I don't want to really d- discuss uh, um, issues in which I'm I'm pretty sure I'm right because I, I, I can tend to be too argumentative. So I think the uh, talent gap between Alabama and Georgia is more pronounced than most people think. Now, I'm not saying it's, uh, you know, it's a, a huge, monstrous difference, but you and I have discussed this in the past. It just, it, there is still a significant difference there. Um, Georgia has played them well, but it's not as if they're neck and neck 1-85. to 85. Would you agree? Yeah, I think people kind of confuse. Most people look at talent, and, and I get it. Um, I don't want to be too harsh or rude when I say this, but... You know, fans are fans and media follow things and they look at things like recruiting rankings. So what's the number by their name? Well, they have the best class. They're the second best class. They're 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 right there in the top three without they're just as good. They're almost as good. That's not how you rank a team. That's not how you evaluate a team. If you look at Georgia, there are areas in which they are the best in the country. I would take their running back unit and their offensive line unit above anybody's in the country. It's the deepest. It's the best combination uh, as good as anybody in the league, uh, anybody in the country, and, and, and certainly in the league. But you, overall, you have to look at different areas. At, at receiver, they're not as good. They were better last year. They're not as good. Defensive line, they're not nearly as good as Clemson has been, as Alabama has been. So while you may look overall and look at numbers, when you have a big gap at key spots, particularly at the line of scrimmage in the line of scrimmage league, if you look at it and understand it, and we've tried to, I've tried to explain it in different appearances and different platforms, you have a greater appreciation for how well Georgia has played Alabama the last two times they've played. If, if going into the game, I, you know, you told me, and, and I, I kind of looked at it, and 
you know, I thought we were looking at maybe a seven to 10 point victory by Alabama in both the last two times they played Georgia. We all know Georgia has led Alabama, but all but like two minutes on two games. Uh, so the assumption is, well, they're just as talented. If they weren't, they wouldn't be playing neck and neck with Alabama. They just don't know how to win the big game. Well, granted, they've not been able to close. That's an issue. That's a problem. Something they've got to correct. They are talented at Georgia. They are immensely talented. And I don't think the gap overall is very much. But I think in certain spots, it's significant. And that is not understood enough. And I still think is an issue going into this year. It is not saying that they can't beat Alabama. But in my mind, going into the season, it is a distinct advantage in particularly those two spots, defensive line, wide receiver, there is a quite a bit of a gap between Alabama and Georgia. Now, that may be lessened by the time the season's end as Georgia develops and maybe Alabama has injuries. You don't know how things will play out. But keep that in mind out there for that people that say, particularly the dog fans, oh, we got to win it this year. Oh, my God, if it doesn't happen this year, it'll never have it. Just relax. We're due. No, nobody's due. Okay, it's never it's it, no, nobody's pregnant. There's not a due date. Okay, it's not going to happen. You, you, you're going to be due when you get it done. And I think they have in some ways overachieved to their abilities in some spots. Now, I thought they were better on the defensive line two years ago. But but I think there's there's some things that I think people are missing in the evaluation process of these two programs. Georgia's close. They're close but they're not quite where Alabama is talent-wise. And I would submit they're closer as a team, and they're closer on the result on the field than they are on paper going into it. So just keep that in mind as we tend to throw dirt on the dogs about they can't get it done. It's like reminds me of Florida State and Bobby Bowden. Oh, they're not good enough to win. They can't win the big game. You're good enough long enough. You've got – in order to be in a position to win a championship, you got to be good enough to do it. And Georgia's good enough to do it. They're going to need to make some breaks. And they're going to need to fix some of those gaps where I think they can be vulnerable. And that's why they can't protect the lead and hold on to the league, people. Because if you're not as deep on the defensive line, what makes you successful in the early part of the game doesn't always are very conducive to finishing out a game. That has a big part of it. It's not just a bad fake punt or things that people focus on. It's it's a, a, it's a lot more different, a lot more complex than that as I see it. That is your Locked On SEC Football Podcast for Chris Landry at LandryFootball.com, LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker, and uh, tomorrow – we didn't have time for this today, but tomorrow we'll look at the biggest games early on in the schedule. Uh, it's kind of like Jimmy Kimmel saying, sorry, we didn't have time for Matt Damon. Uh, but we will talk tomorrow. <laughs> You're locked on <laughs> SEC football podcast. Have a great day, everyone.